I hope you've all had a wonderful week and awesome things were happening. Today was an interesting morning. You know, David, David rocked up this morning to, to set up all this phenomenal sound gear and the doors weren't opening. They, they, they went to these electronic locks and we have swipe cards. All the other doors and gates worked, but this one wasn't. It's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Anyway, she called the um, business manager of the school and she rocks up. She lives actually in Yarrabulba. She was really nice and helped us out. I'll tell you what, it is so, it's so awesome to be favoured with a school that you, atten- or that you are connected with and that you can actually that you meet in their room because anything is just no, no, nothing is too big for them, which is just phenomenal blessing. But she will be blessed next week. Uh, my pastor is coming and he has been a pastor for like 40 years um, and he has a wealth of knowledge. He has lots of information. He's, his, his wife is a little powerhouse herself. Um, funny enough, they just had COVID. Um, and they will be released on Tuesday, so which is awesome, but they'll be all ready to go um, for Sunday. So you don't want to miss it. You want to be here. Um, get, a, get here early. Get a seat. Um, bring somebody. I don't know. We'll record it so you can listen to it as well. But yeah, I do suggest that you do turn up. It will be an awesome time. Obviously, my message today is, is wrestled limits. We're, we're talking about limitless, and I've started this whole new series on this concept of the infinite God, limitlessness that God has. It's not a word that is found actually in the Bible, unless you read other translations that have that English word in there, but it's a principle or a concept that God has, that he is limitless, no boundaries. He can do whatever. And it can be a hard concept to even grasp because we have a limited mind. A journey of a thousand miles will always begin with a single step. Meaning you cannot begin anything unless you first take a step. Christianity, or the journey of being a Christian, the journey of discipleship, right, is this long process. We start the process and then when we get to our death is when we actually begin again. We don't automatically gain all the... Wouldn't that be nice? Automatically gain all the wisdom that we need to live life, right? all the knowledge that you can even possibly imagine. Can you imagine that? As soon as you made a decision for Christ, you became all-knowing. Oh, yes, that's what I do. We'd all be calling each other, Oh, wise one, who makes no mistakes. But that's not how it works. I was explaining to my son. We often, he often asks interesting questions. Explaining to him that life is not about just success. Life is not about getting everything you want. We try really hard not to spoil them rotten. We do really, it's, we do work really hard at it. Make sure that both of them are fair. Because obviously we have twins and one of them is a boy and one is a girl. And it's how you separate that and treat them, although they're not treated the same, but they are treated the is, is a is a balancing act. And any parent with more than one child will totally understand that. I have learnt more about God every single day of my life. As I walk through this life, I learn. I have learned a lot 
about who God is and what He can do and what He wants for me through my accident, through starting this church, through getting married, through having kids, making all the mistakes that we've ever, ever made, understanding the whole process of life, I have learnt about God. I have looked for God in those moments, crying out to God when you know you can't pay the bills. You learn about God if you're open. I've been challenged by my own children and had to turn to God. I've been challenged by my wife and had to turn to God and go, God, um, you need to fix her because she's broken. And he said, but I want to talk about you. <laughs> That's a humbling experience, isn't it? When you think you're right and you find out you're wrong. And the reason why I can learn is because I have a hunger and a thirst to learn. I come to that understanding that I am not the all-knowing. Sometimes my son thinks he is, even at nine. And he has to learn the humbling process of being wrong. I have learned that my understanding of God can sometimes misrepresent who God is. That sometimes, even in my eagerness and my, my zeal and my limited understanding of who He is, I can misrepresent Him and make mistakes. And it's only through God revealing Himself to me on this journey of Christianity, this walk that we go on, that I have gained more understanding of who He is through His Word, through Him talking to me, through my experiences, but most importantly, my struggles. And then I've learnt that the asking the why question is a really good one. We often ask this question, why is this happening to me? It's not necessarily a bad question to ask, but sometimes the motive behind it is what determines whether or not you get an answer. There's an interesting story in the Bible. A man named Jacob who's the son of Abraham. Oh, actually, he's the son of Isaac. Where am I thinking? He's the... Th pardon, what's that? Yes, that's what I meant. Grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac. He's the third in the lineage, the third of the promise, and Jacob. Now, if you don't know what Jacob means, here's an awesome name, right? Names in the Bible have meaning. Your names have meaning. I believe that names have meaning, right? When you call somebody something, it has a meaning behind it, and it has... You know, there's something behind that means something. Jacob means supplanter. <laughs> That's a friend you want to have. But if you read the story of Jacob, it's such an interesting story. And nothing happens in the Bible by mistake. Nothing happens by God by mistake. God is all-knowing. He is often working and moving his plans around. He plays, I call it, chess. Meaning he doesn't play checkers, which is over in a couple of minutes. Right? He plays chess and it can take on for weeks and weeks and weeks. I've known some chess games that can take years to play. But in a passage of scripture in Genesis 32, 24 to 32, we come across this situation with Jacob. And it says, hang on, let me get it on the board so you can read it with me. Technology. David learnt a lot about technology this morning, didn't you? For microphones to work, they need to be plugged in. 
We love God, how he works. It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated. If you have ever dislocated your hip, you are now going to understand how painful that truly is. While he wrestled with him, then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have strived with God, with man, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Penal, blah, blah, blah. We won't actually need to go any further than that. Let me give you a very good understanding of something. Whenever you read the Bible, and in that Bible passage, there is a name change, take note. Name change have huge, significant events. It is not a common practice that we practice today, right? Changing our children's names. Because once we name them, they're named. And the legal process to change someone's names is painful. But in those days, there was times when people's names changed. And in the Bible, when God changes somebody's names, it is significant. It is noteworthy. When Jacob encountered God at Bethel, he wrestled with him. And during that wrestling process, God dislocated his hip because he wouldn't surrender. Now this is what happened in the natural, but it's actually what happens spiritually to us all the time. And even after his hip was dislocated, Jacob was still wrestling with God. It's often a good picture of what we can sometimes do, wrestling with the concepts that God has for us, wrestling with revelation, wrestling with direction, wrestling with obedience. Now there are times that God allows, you need to understand that he allows, not authors, trauma. Because in that trauma we are able to grow and develop. When God dislocated Jacob's hip, it's because he wasn't going to surrender. And God needed to leave him with something so he would always remember the encounter with God that he had. And through that whole process, God was able to change Jacob's name to Israel. And a nation, a whole nation, was born from that experience that Jacob has. When God wants you to have something that is different to what you have as normal, oftentimes we will need to wrestle with it. When God wants to change your perspective, there will be a wrestling process to it. When God has revelation for it, it's not like bing or knowing. It's this wrestling process of beginning to understand how do I comprehend this new information with what I thought I knew. And we need to wrestle with it because it's not normal to us. It's not the normal experience of everyday life that we've had. God wants to relay something to us. We need to wrestle with it. 
wrestling with God opens up us to be able to be shifted into position. It was through the wrestling that Jacob became Israel. Jacob means supplanter. Israel means God preserves. In order for God to preserve a nation, there was a wrestling that took place in a supplanter. In our own flesh, oftentimes what God has for you is greater than what you understand. And in order to walk into that, there is a constantly wrestling process, removing the old and moving into the new. It is not like, oh yes, I will walk into it and I'm just awesome. It's not, ah, oh, download like your new computers, although sometimes that can be a bit of a pain in the backside. Sometimes things don't work out necessarily the way we planned, right? This morning, we had all these plans. The wireless microphones were not working. They're all on. Oh, we got to plug them in. <laughs> they don't just turn on, all right? We have all these fandangled technology things, right? You want to turn it on, and I want to be able to turn on everything. But in order to do that, you actually have to go through a process and often it's downloading an app. And then you have to sync that app and then you have to sync that item to that app and then sometimes it works and then for some reason it doesn't work one day and then it might work the next day. But what happens in someone's life to go from, needing, uh, from knowing to be the supplanter to knowing that God's preserved. I mean, you think about this, right? If God has a nation of Israel in the plan, that God had spoken to Abraham and said, I am going to give you all this land. What has to happen in that person's life in order for them to walk in that? If you could understand, if you could see, if God would show you maybe on a big big TV in your home and you were sitting there and you had a bag of popcorn and maybe a drink and God was like, okay, I'm going to show you everything I have for you, right? And if you'll just listen to me and be obedient, this is all that's going to happen. And as you're watching, your mind would, right? But in order to walk in what God actually has for you, something has to shift. You and I are not ready to have what God has for us. And the journey to getting to that place, the best way to describe it, is a wrestle. We wrestle with ourselves. We wrestle with our mindsets. We wrestle with our understanding. And, and we have to wrestle because it's removing that old and replacing it with the new. What actually God has for us. I often say that if you had known me 15, 20 years ago and, recognized, and you compared them, chalk and cheese. And I'd love to say to you that the, the process of getting from that place to this place, oh, it was a walk in the park. But it wasn't. It was a wrestle. And there were things that I had to wrestle with and remove from myself what I thought was me, but it wasn't. Sometimes it's the release of who we thought we were so we can be who we really are. If you think of a moment, think of all the trauma that you've experienced, the challenges you have endured, who would you be without them? And that's an interesting question. If you took away all the trauma, 
everything, all the struggles, all the difficulties, all the challenges you've ever experienced, who would you be without them? Not that you'll actually have an identity formed on what you've gone through, but who would you be? Those traumas, those, those struggles have shaped your mind into understanding what you can and what you can't do. It's got you to this place. God has allowed them to position us. And those traumas, what they actually do, those, those difficulties, what they actually do is they give us something that we cannot get without them. It's called empathy, it's called compassion, and it's called love. You can't understand how loved you are until you experience love and you are able then to give it. You don't understand how to give empathy when someone kicks their toe until you've understood how to kick your toe and, oh, that hurts, I'm so sorry. We gain empathy by what we go through in life. The struggle is real, but it is there for a purpose. We can be challenged by our own ways of life. What we thought was true to the point of what we knew. If I asked a lot of you if, if you knew anything more than what you did 10 years ago, hopefully you would all would say yes. Yes, I've learnt a little bit. I have a little bit more knowledge. Right? My son at nine often thinks he has all the answers. Like he, he knows everything. And we often have to remind him that he doesn't. The other night I was explaining to him, because he says, I don't understand what you're doing, Dad. And I said, okay, let me explain it like this. What I'm trying to teach you goes beyond your understanding right now. Because what I'm trying to teach you to be is to be an adult. And to take responsibility of your actions. To make wise decisions. Not based upon your feelings and emotions, but based upon what is true. And even though you don't understand the process, there will come a day when you will. And you'll probably thank me. There is an infinite nature to God. An infinite nature. Unmeasurable. Completely unmeasurable. If you tried, there wouldn't be rulers or any sort of measurement that would even come comprehend close. His nature is spiritual. He can manifest in the material. He is omnipresent. Which means he is everywhere and anywhere. And if you look into the universe and you can use, they just launched a new telescope, right? If you use the latest of technology and telescopes and you look to the farthest point of the universe, it doesn't have an end. Its vastness goes beyond what they've even measured. He's bigger than all of it. What does God's limitlessness mean? It means, quite honestly, that like my son who's trying to understand everything at nine, trying to understand what his father's trying to do and teach him, even at nine, he has a limited understanding of what is actually taking place. And the lessons that I'm trying to teach him now, he will use later down the track. God works in a very, very similar way. 
He's trying to teach you and develop you for what he has for you, but you're not ready to have it yet because you don't, you don't have the understanding to walk in it. And so he is trying to give it to you through the process of life. And sometimes we can be such in a hurry to get to point A to B that we don't understand there is a blessing in the journey. I was, I was listening to an interview. Uh, I've forgotten his name. It's Kurt somebody. Um, Australian of the Year. What's his name? There you go. If you ever listen to him speak, he is a phenomenal man. Right? He, is a, he won the gold at the Olympics for tennis. He's in a wheelchair, bound to a wheelchair. Okay? He plays tennis. He didn't win the Australian Open, but he got to the final. And he's won many grand slams. He's a phenomenal tennis player. That's on the court. Off the court, he's a phenomenal advocate for who he is. But he made a very clear statement, which is very interesting. And I guarantee you, most people don't speak like this. He said, my injury... My disability is the greatest blessing I have ever had. That is a huge statement. Huge statement. And most of us can't say, oh, my struggle is my greatest blessing. Because we haven't understood that the struggle actually gets us to be used. The struggle has purpose in it. The struggle has momentum in it. And if we see it in the proper perspective... If we learn from the experience, then we can walk further in what God has for us. But we look at God in this perspective of our own limitless, limited, yeah, our limits. I'm, I am unable to do this, so He is. I cannot work this out, so He cannot. Or sometimes we exist in this place where we pray, we ask for God to move according to what we think the answer is. And because he doesn't move in the right way, he doesn't move in the right timing, we think he can't. But he can. But sometimes the reason why he hasn't moved is because he doesn't want to remove the struggle from us because the struggle helps us to get to this place. Don't ever help a butterfly out of a chrysalis. You will disable it. The whole process of a butterfly coming out of the chrysalis is there for the struggle puts the blood into the wings. So when the, the caterpillar, or not the caterpillar, the butterfly is struggling to get out of the chrysalis, right? That struggle enables him to be stronger. Or her, I don't know, a butterfly's male or females? I don't know. Them. Right? It enables them right, to push blood into all parts of their wings so when they actually get out of the chrysalis and they dry their wings, they can fly. If you were to cut the chrysalis and take the struggle away, the blood would not be in the wings, therefore the butterfly would be a butter. And oftentimes we want to remove the struggle from our own children's lives because we're like, oh, I don't want you to... Oh, it's such a bad experience. But they need to because it's where they learn and they develop. My son has type 1 diabetes. If you don't know that, um, 
he is a type 1 diabetic. And it is a horrendous, horrendous disease. And I don't wish it on anybody. Okay? But quite often, sometimes what we have been given has greater purpose than what we can understand. I teach my son, I train him, and we work with him constantly because even though there's a mental side to him trying to overcome his diabetes, it's trying to teach him and empower him to understand that this struggle is actually going to help you. And if we can learn or you can understand that it's not, even though it's horrendous, there is purpose in it, it can be, like Kurt said, his greatest blessing. But in order to come to that place, that's a big mind-blowing. It's not something you adapt just, oh, yeah, he's nine, he'll have it by 12. Sweet as. It's going to be a journey for him. And the quicker the journey goes, is the quicker he surrenders on that journey. And the quicker he processes what God has for him and learns. It's, it's a horrendous thing. God has his thing. But understand that this life is only but a vapor. And God uses our experiences and our struggles to witness to other people. I'll go as bold as saying this. My accident six years ago, horrendous. Right? My injury, horrendous. But the journey to get to this place has taught me that there is purpose in it. What if God can use my injury greater than he can use my healing? That's a hard pill to swallow. Because I've prayed. Trust me, I've prayed. No one's prayed harder than me. Right? And I, I've got other people praying. My wife has prayed. I've got um, a whole bunch of people who are praying. I mean, there were, there were probably thousands of people, especially when my accident just happened. Thousands of people praying, all believing for a miracle. I had people come up and go, can I pray for you? Because they all want, you know, in part of it, they all wanted the glory of miraculous healing. Right? And I'm like, sure, whatever. And I've cried out to God. You, you don't know how much I've cried out to God, especially in those early beginning stages, crying out to God, God, what on earth has happened? This can't be right. What did I do to deserve this? Praying and seeking God, God, heal me. You know, it'd be awesome for the church. So many people get saved. And I'm looking through my flesh thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. God, a miraculous do a healing that, God, uh, that doctors can't fix me. Blah, 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 blah. But perhaps there is greater purpose in the struggle than there is in the answer. That becomes a comprehend, uh, something that we have to wrestle with in our minds because how do you, how do you, how do you digest something like that? Well, let me tell you, your God is limitlessness. Limited. I, it's massive, right? He's unmeasurable. And trying to comprehend his unmeasurableness in our limitedness is, is, is the challenge. But nothing is ever wasted with God. And oftentimes what takes place, and I am not going to get through my notes because I am way over time. This is probably a two-part series session. <laughs> no, I'm listening. I've got five pages. I've just hit the third.
trying to understand God from a limited perspective, looking at our situation, is always going to be a challenge because in the midst of your situation, it's like you've been in a pit. Trying to find the answers and make sense when all you can see are the pit walls that surround you. And this is when we have to come to that place of trust and relationship with God and believe that what he says he will do, he will do. My God, in an instant, can transform this whole problem to nothing. My God, in an instant, at the speak of his word, he doesn't even need to say anything. He could just open his mouth. He could just think it and everything would be transformed. When doctors can't, and they can't make sense of everything, right? Even when you've got one of the most experienced surgeons that you can find, and they can't work everything out because they don't know everything because they're still practicing medicine. God says, I can, just not yet. Can you still follow God, be obedient when the answer is no? Can you still seek his face when he says no? Or when the answer is wait? Perhaps what God has for you is greater than what you want him to do for you. I'm going to finish up there. Next week we have Pastor Sean. I know he has a great word. He's probably itching to speak. I invite you to come. Come early so you can get a good seat. Um, He's my pastor. I served under him for many, many years. I think I was under him for eight years um, as a pastor. Um, I knew him for longer than that. Um, But he has a wealth of knowledge. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was not spared from the struggle. But it was the struggle that Jesus went through that gained your salvation. At any point in time Jesus had decided to quit, salvation would not be earned. Salvation would not be given. Do you know that? I go into the whole concept of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and even when Jesus cries out to Father, which we will leave, so not next week, but the week after. But as we explore God's limitlessness this year, what can prohibit us from walking in what God has for us is when we only look at the here and the now. We only see the pain of here and now. We only see what it means to us here and now. We don't comprehend the journey that we will go on and we will look back and go, oh, that wasn't quite as bad. Like my son and daughter, they talk about things, oh, it's so terrible now, right? They're nine. You haven't even begun to live. Right? You wait till you're 18, 20, then tell me that the pain you felt at nine was, is any different or is any bigger or any worse than what you, you experience when you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40. 
No, you, you get to the end of this, it's, ah, oh, that was nothing. You know? Why is it now, as adults, we do it any differently? Why do we look at our struggles and go, oh, it's so big. Woe is me. Alas. Instead of going, oh, you know what? This is just part of the process and I'll just get through it. I know that God will bless me through it and it'll be okay. It's not that bad. Trust me. It's not that bad. You want to know what bad is? Go to the children's hospital and walk through the cancer ward. That sucks. Go, go experience kids that are really doing it tra- challenging and they have the biggest smiles on their faces. They don't, they don't give you perspective. God is big. But not everything big is God. Sometimes it's the little things that happen. Sometimes it's a little breath, a little words, a little breeze that blows across our face that we are reminded that he is with us. And that is enough to get you through. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't understand the concept that he came to bear it all for us, that his struggle became extremely real for each and every one of us, it was what granted us, grant us the opportunity to be saved then I invite you to come and know your Lord and Savior. I invite you to come and meet Jesus, I should say. I'll be down the front. But we have tea and coffee. We have morning tea. Stay a while. Mel's got some cookies, heart-shaped cookies. Men, don't forget, Valentine's today, if you, uh, Valentine's tomorrow. If you celebrate Valentine's, you still have a few hours left of shopping. Don't bother going to Coles thinking you'll be get, get some flowers and Coles tonight. They'll be all gone. Everyone else already had that idea. They're probably shopping already. Okay. Ampole. Okay. Don't raid my garden. I already stripped the flowers. <laughs> if you want to be really smart, go down to Bunnings, get a rose bush. It's a gift that keeps on giving. But uh, we'll close the meeting with prayer. If you want prayer, I'll be down the front. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are not a silly God. That you use everything. That you don't waste anything. That you are a God that is bigger than our situation. And if we only trust, oh boy, what can you what you can turn from an irritation to a pearl if we just let you. Father, I pray for your mighty blessings on your people as they would walk in your anointing this week, your favor, your touch. Be with them always. Guide them and direct them. We speak health and life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.